Hello and welcome to today's episode of Natural Health with CNM, the College of Naturopathic Medicine. I'm your host, Michelle Sanchez. Today I'm joined by nutritional therapist and CNM graduate, Maze Al-Ali. Maze is going to be talking to us about how to manage sugar cravings and explain how blood sugar regulation relates to weight management, stress and hormone health. Maze is an AMP registered qualified nutritionist specializing in naturopathic healing with a functional medicine perspective. Maze loves to help her clients find their inner health with personalized diet and lifestyle plans, incorporating the latest clinical research, lab, and genetic testing. Maze has been teaching and studying yoga for the last eight years, and she loves hosting global transformation wellness and yoga retreats around the world. Hi, Maze. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. It's great to have you on the show. Oh, hi there. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here to chat to you today. Now, today we're talking all about sugar cravings and blood sugar regulation. And I know a lot of our listeners will be able to relate to cravings, whether it be sugar, chocolate, salt, or fried fruits. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your expertise on this and demystifying what food cravings mean, especially cravings for sugar. But firstly, though, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, how your health journey began, and what led you to study nutrition? Yeah, sure thing. So yeah, I've had like a interesting journey. I guess I lived a typical standard Western diet lifestyle. I had a very stressful corporate job producing TV commercials and advertising. That was for about 18 years. I also came from quite a traumatic childhood background. So because of that, there was a lot of kind of trauma, I would say, that I kind of numbed myself with, Mm -hmm. you know, using, it's like the typical corporate high stress London party lifestyle and in advertising that was kind of the norm and you surround yourself with people all you know drinking too much and late nights and eating bad food and and you just think it's normal and and then but unfortunately the body sometimes takes over and my body was really suffering and I've got a very sensitive constitution naturally which actually is a benefit because most people you know may not feel anything's wrong for ages if their constitution isn't as sensitive. Whereas I immediately, you know, throughout my early 20s was suffering with severe digestive issues, IBS, also very bad skin allergies, urticaria and other skin allergies, and just mood disorders. Um, And Mm -hmm. and I was, you know, chronically unwell and unhappy. And and I was always into yoga and but could never commit to it. properly and I was I remember I went to this Bikram yoga class things were really tough at work I'd split up with my boyfriend not getting on with my flatmates everything mm-hmm. was kind of you know and you cut it's called like a rock bottom I guess so everything yes. was going wrong and I went to this yoga class and I was lying in the l- relaxation at the end which is known as shavasana and this little voice said you've got to do more of this go and do more mm. of this and um and I was going to go uh, for a wedding and I decided to do a a yoga course whilst I was there and I was looking at them they were all like one month trainings anyway I ended up signing up for a one month training course and went there and up until that point I was just I didn't really know much about food and healthy eating and nutrition I was eating just a standard western diet and on that course we had a raw food um, chef everything was raw vegan uh, and she taught us about um, nutrition as well and conscious eating and I ate the food for the whole month and and I mean, I felt amazing. My energy levels increased, my um, digestive issues improved, and my skin issues improved. 
I just felt amazing. So then I pretty much transitioned to vegan and then raw vegan for a year. And then I spent like six years traveling in Asia and learning more esoteric practice, you know, more into yoga and meditation. And, and I saw someone recommend, and I immediately, I mean, I think to be plant-based, you need to be studying nutrition. So I was Mm -hmm. studying it myself, but you know, of course, as we know, like if you're Googling stuff, it's not the same as when you study it in a course. Um, So then someone recommended the CNM course for me. And it took me about five years to sign up because I was traveling a lot and uh, committing to being in London for three years was difficult for me. But I was looking at it and wanting to do it. I remember going to the open days like you know, two years before I signed up. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then eventually, I, yeah, I signed up and it was incredible. It really, um, you know, I, I kind of came to it different to most because I'd already been on the healthy eating and uh, path for about six years and knew quite a lot. But obviously it wasn't, you know, science backed and it wasn't research backed and it wasn't the latest info taught properly. So it really took my knowledge to the next level. And, um, you know, it, it totally changed my life for the better. And, and initially when I first started it, I just was doing it for my own um, knowledge, but I loved it so much. I was like, this is what I, this is my calling, you know? And yeah. especially when we, we, in CNM, you do clinics, so you actually see real people uh, and you're assessed and watched. So it's like real life training on the job. And yeah, when we had the clinics, it was really amazing to to really help people heal. And that was so rewarding. And it's, for me, it's being in service. And that was what was missing in my corporate advertising job, you know, helping people heal, making people feel good. And that reward is so amazing. So yeah, so that's kind of, and then about, yeah, and then six months before I graduated, I then decided to just quit um, advertising and then launched my clinic as soon as I finished. And it's just been full steam ahead. So now I have a clinic that I see clients virtually all, all around the world. And I am also teaching yoga and then using my transferable skills. I used to produce big global TV commercials on shoots around the world. And so those skills of like managing people and uh, project management. Now I, I host wellness retreats. So yoga and, and nutrition. Um, and they're just wonderful because you really see the transformations that people make in a week uh, when they, they spend a week with you. And again, super rewarding. And yeah, I mean, you know, I think really, I, I, you know, nutrition is so impor- important, but I think purpose is so important. And my life changed when, when I found my purpose, which was, you know, working in nutrition. It was, you know, thanks to the CNM course, which was really, really amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. It's so mm. inspiring. And it is, isn't it? You sometimes get this little voice in your head and sometimes mm. we don't listen to that voice, do we? But yeah. you had that, you, as you say, you know, you hit that rock bottom mm. and you had that voice saying, you need to do more of this. You need to explore. And then that cascaded a series of events. Like you went there, you started eating the different food, your health changed, your, you know, and mm. you start, started to see um, a healthier version of you. And I think you know, sometimes things just happen like that. So I think that's really inspiring because I think a lot of people are stuck in that rut, the same as you were. So many of my clients are, and I, it's, it's hard. I know it's hard because, you know, if you've got family commitments, heavy mortgages, you know, it can, it's not so easy to just, just make a change like that. But I, I try to put that seed in, in someone's mind, you know, and it's in the back of their mind. And then slowly, slowly, it it might come about. I believe in intention, you know, where you put your energy and your thoughts, you can 
make stuff happen and manifest things. So yeah, the mind is a powerful thing. <laughs> it really is. And I, I really love that. And I think that would be very inspiring to many people because it is that transition. People are like, well, how am I just going to give up? I'm earning all this money and I've got all these commitments and a family, etc. How am I going to go from that to just set up a nutrition practice? So, so how did you do it? So how did you go? So you were studying and then you gave up your job sort of towards the end of your course. And then like now you've obviously got this thriving nutrition practice and corporate wellness business and all your yoga retreats and all the other great things you're doing so how did you get started and what you know how did you go from you know that mindset I guess from like all right I've got to let this go so I can start something new because I think a lot of people might struggle with that yeah I mean I I really I mean the CNM course is amazing but it's quite hard work especially when you're working full-time and I remember like it got to Christmas of my final year of study and I was just, you know, and, and my job in advertising is super stressful. It's long hours. It's not like it's an easy mm. nine to five job. And I went away. I went to India for a month and Christmas and I was so burnt out and stressed. And, and again, I just, you know, I, I get, I'm tuned into my instincts. And, and this voice was just like, that was when I got the idea to host retreats. And the, uh, mm. you know, the voice was like, do some retreats and then it was like yes. don't go back to advertising and then <laughs> and then luckily I got like a little bit of inheritance money which was some money behind me and I was like okay well okay the universe is really pointing to certain things you know I've just been given this bit of money so I've got it so I would suggest like trying to save up so you've got a little bit of money um mm-hmm. and so then I yeah so then I came back and also just taking time out so because I was away for a month and I was mostly on my own I just had time and space and yes most people may not be able to do a month but even two weeks just going somewhere being in nature being on your own you can just let ideas flow and so then yes. yeah so then I left and I mean I was already I started working on my social media presence whilst I was studying and I started working on my website a year before I, I graduated and then business cards and everything like that. So I did a lot of work up front so that, you know, after my final exam in June, I was ready to go and I already had people that wanted to see me. And I, you know, managed to find an insurance company that would insure me without having the certificate yet. So I literally started the minute I graduated and, and, and you know, I'm quite like a organized driven person so um yeah for me I was just keen to get going so if you prep beforehand and and start with the website start with like an Instagram account start posting daily um before you graduate then that that you know makes it easier for sure um but it just depends how uh, you know how how people like to work some people can't do multitasking maybe as much as I can (laughs) Um, no no, but that's some really great tips it is it's it's having a little bit of money I suppose but as that little buffer so you're not worrying even if if it's just like a month I mean yeah I mean if if you can do a part-time job that would be ideal Um, my advertising job wasn't part-time so if you could do like two or three days in another job and carry on like that that's ideal Um, but if you can't, then yeah, if you save up a little bit of a buffer until things start earning, I also rented my spare room out in my flat. Um, so, you know, so I didn't have the luxury of living alone, but you know, I had some income from that. So just trying to find other income sources as well, um, is, is helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. And as you say, I think that's a key point is just having a bit of time out to think and process because when we're so busy all the time and we're so stressed, Mm. you don't have time to think of that. You know, I I know personally, I'm a very creative person and I always have ideas pop into my head. But when I'm 
super under the pump and I've got so many things going on, like no creative juices flow whatsoever. And it's not until you do take that bit of time out, then they just start flowing again. And I think that's... um, but that's probably very true for many people as well. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, if you're like going full steam ahead, super stressed, you know, no space to think about anything, the, the creativity won't flow. Like you said, creativity flows when you have time and space and, you know, allowing it to flow. And that was, you know, and I mean, it working. And that, I mean, the other thing I did was I invested in a coach um, as soon as I, uh, graduated because I had never worked for myself. So it's very, very different mm-hmm. to working for another company. Um, and I didn't even know anything about an email mailing list, you know, like collecting emails of people. I'd never really done that. So again, that's something you could, if I'd have known, I would have started whilst I was studying, uh, that's what yes. you know, get, get a MailChimp account, start collecting people's emails and build up your mailing list and stuff like that. I didn't even know any of this stuff. So I, I invested in a business coach for a couple of months um and that was really helpful to give me the basics um because essentially you need to learn how to market and sell and uh, you know and now it's all online so that's a whole nother um learning thing which i am going to need to kind of invest more in because i'm again i'm not an expert in uh, in online now because everything's become zoom based now so um so i would definitely advise investing in in a, a, a good coach and support to teach you how to run your own business and how to attract clients for sure. No, absolutely. And, you know, chipping away at it and doing those things, like you said, with your social media website, so that when you are ready to graduate and get out there, you've got things in place, systems in place, you've got Mm. your forms ready. So, yeah, that's really Mm. great advice. So, Mm. okay, now let's move on to blood sugar regulation and cravings. Now, can you please give us an overview of how the body regulates blood sugar levels and what is happening at a cellular level when we eat food? What role does the pancreas play and what is the purpose of insulin? Yeah, so the pancreas creates two hormones, insulin and glucagon. These two hormones help regulate our blood sugar levels. Um, glucose comes from the food we eat um, and it moves through our bloodstream helps us fuel our body so um, and insulin and glucagon work together like like a yin and yang to balance blood sugar levels um, keeping them in a very narrow range that the body requires the body works best when your blood sugar levels are in this narrow range when they're not spiking too high and going up and down and when we digest foods um, when we eat carbohydrates, they get turned into glucose. And most of this gets sent into our bloodstream, which causes a rise in our blood glucose levels. So this increase in blood glucose signals our pancreas to produce insulin to control um, the blood glucose levels. And the insulin tells our cells throughout the body to take in the glucose from the bloodstream. And as the glucose moves into our cells, the blood glucose levels goes down, which is how the body functions uh, efficiently. Um, So some cells use the glucose as as energy, but other cells like your liver and your muscles store any excess glucose uh, and they convert it to something called glycogen. And in between meals, the body uses the glycogen to maintain the glucose level stable. And glucagon works to counterbalance the actions of insulin. So um, about four to six hours after you eat, the glucose levels in your blood go down a little bit. So this triggers the pancreas to produce glucagon so that the blood glucose levels can be maintained. Um, and, and yeah, so glucagon causes the stored glycogen to be converted back into glucose. 
um, so that so that the body has something to, has fuel for energy. Um, so this is like an amazing thing how the body regulates our glucose metabolism. It really is a metabolic yes. feat. But however, and unfortunately, what has become common is that the process gets imbalanced um, mm -hmm. and doesn't work properly. And that's mostly due, due to diet and lifestyle. And the biggest thing, of course, is sugar, you know, high quantities of sugars in the diet. And then this leads to um, chronic conditions like type 2 diabetes mellitus, where there's problems with the blood sugar balance. Um, and in diabetes, your body's production of insulin and glucagon just doesn't work properly anymore. Um, and this can lead to very high levels of glucose in your blood. Um, so basically what happens is, is your, your body makes insulin, but your cells don't respond to it normally in, in type 2 diabetes. Um, they don't take in the glucose from your bloodstream as well as they once did. And this leads to higher blood sugar levels. And this is often known as insulin resistance. Um, mm -hmm. When the body becomes resistant to insulin, it tries to cope with this by producing even more insulin. And this then is known as hyperinsulinemia. And over time, the pancreas gets exhausted from producing so much insulin and it starts to make less which further creates this vicious circle by raising blood sugar levels as there's even less insulin, and that's type 2 diabetes. Type 1, di type one diabetes is more of an autoimmune disorder where mm -hmm. our immune system, the immune system destroys the cells that make insulin in your pancreas. So, um, so that's like a, a more serious condition because it can be obviously a permanent thing that requires you to take insulin every day. So yeah, I hope that was a, a succinct um, in, so, yeah, I hope that was a clear explanation of uh, insulin and pancreas. Absolutely. No, that was fantastic. And I'm glad you touched on the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes because there's some other conditions as well, like polycystic ovarian syndrome and metabolic syndrome, which is also related to blood sugars. Could you just briefly touch on those? Yeah, I mean, you know, blood sugars affect so many conditions um, and can, you know, can lead to many chronic diseases, including cardiovascular disease as well. Uh, metabolic syndrome is like a cluster of issues, caught, you know, that require that blood sugar dysregulation causes, like type two diabetes, um, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, and yeah, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome is another female um, female um, chronic issue that happens, and it's kind of the causes aren't so clear, but one of them is blood sugar dysregulation. Sometimes. New research is saying that it could be even autoimmune. Um, and yeah, it, it can cause infertility issues in, in some women. So yeah, there's a lot, a myriad of lifestyle yes. disorders um, that, that are caused by unhealthy blood sugar balances and they can lead to some severe chronic conditions. And, and of course, obesity, um, which is, is a chronic disease now, the, the statistics are rising hugely in the UK and globally for obesity and you know blood sugar dysregulation is a big big um, contributor to that absolutely it really is okay so what sort you touch on sugar but what sorts of things compromise blood sugar regulation what foods and lifestyle habits have a negative effect on our blood sugar levels yeah well um lots of different things uh, I'll start with stress so it's um one of the biggest um contributors to um, blood sugar dysregulation. So stress causes a biological effect on our bodies. 
it increases our hormone cortisol, um, it affects our immune system, it affects our gut, gut health, it causes blood sugar imbalances. Um, and chronic stress can be the cause of this bulge around the middle that people get. Um, mm -hmm. So during tension-filled times, cortisol rises. So cortisol prepares the body for fight or flight as if we're running from a bear, if you think about it in caveman terms. Um, and it floods the body with glucose. So your large muscles have got a big energy source so you can run away from that bear faster. Um, at mm -hmm. the same time, cortisol inhibits insulin production. So it stops the glucose from being stored so it can be used in this survival mode. But consistently high blood glucose levels, along with insulin suppression, leads to our cells being starved of glucose and those cell cells are now crying out for energy so then hunger signals are sent to the brain leading to overeating and it also leads to this kind of craving of sugary fatty foods carby foods mm -hmm. comfort foods um and of course any unused glucose is then stored as body fat and so chronic stress can turn your overeating into a habit leading to you know high BMIs and being overweight and even obese. Uh, and, you know, you, you never crave a salad or a banana. It's always no. like cookies or macaroni and cheese. So the more yeah. stress, the more cortisol, the higher the appetite for junk food and the bigger, the, the more belly fat grows. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's lots of solutions for this, which I think we'll probably talk about in a bit. And, yes. okay, so what are other things? So obviously sugar you know, what we're eating, what we're ingesting in the body. Um, so starches, carbs, I mean, you know, carbs don't need to be vilified. I, I do a lot of weight loss work with my clients and, you know, I never say just cut out carbs and go Atkins. I don't promote fad diets, but, but definitely it's the quality of, of carbs that you eat that's super important. Um, so you don't want to be eating lots of white refined carbs, so pas white pastas, white rice and white bread, um, because, you know, these starches and sugars and carbs, when they're really refined, they get broken down to glucose. Um, and if you eat too much, you get too much glucose, which just causes this spike in insulin and then it crashes down. And then within two hours, you're craving more food instead of if you have more complex carbs, the slower GI, that means the blood sugars are released at a more level rate um, without causing the spike up and down. So they keep you more full for longer um, and less cravings. And so what are complex carbs? These are things like brown rice, things like quinoa and buckwheat, um, butternut squash, sweet potato, um, root veggies, or all these kinds of, of things that I, I would recommend to swap those refined carbs for um and the other thing that is is if you're looking for weight loss specifically um the the, the how much fat gets broken down by our bodies is com is controlled by insulin um so if you're having um high blood sugars from a meal with lots of refined white carbs lots of insulin is, re is released and our fat cells hold on to the energy stores um but if you're you know if you're kind of eating more complex carbs and the glucose blood levels are stable and then they naturally drop and then the insulin levels naturally drop and then the body starts to mobilize energy and break down fat cells which is known as lipolysis lipolysis so fat mm -hmm. cells won't release energy stores if insulin is present so you know you don't want your insulin levels to be super high all the time for another reason for weight loss 
Um, so a diet that keeps your blood sugar stable and not permanently high is key to fat loss. Um, so, you know, slow digesting foods um, that I always say they're a healthy diet's best friend. Um, yes. Yeah. So sleep, that's another um, thing that can affect uh, our hormone levels and increase the appetite if we're not sleeping enough. Alcohol, of course, that's, you know, really empty calories. Um, it also really affects just sugar and it really mm -hmm. affects our blood sugar balance, really causing that spike, making you have more cravings, eating more. And that, you know, that beer belly, as it's known as, um, in men, it can also inhibit testosterone production, um, promoting this fat storage around the gut. Um, and yeah, um, yeah. So those are kind of my, my key points. Yeah, no, absolutely. So just to clarify for those who aren't aware, cortisol is a hormone that is produced by the adrenal glands when we get stressed. So that's like essentially our stress hormones. So, mm -hmm. um, so can you just touched on the GI there? Could you just explain the glycemic index just briefly for people? What's a high GI? What's a low GI foods? Yeah, so the glycemic index is kind of how much sugar is released from the food when it's digested. So high GI, you, you want to avoid high GI foods because then they are generally high sugar, high glucose levels. So things like, you know, white bread, white pasta, Coca-Cola, chocolate, anything with sugar, cakes, sweets, biscuits, those are all going to be high GI foods. Low GI foods are the complex carbs that I've discussed. So slow mm -hmm. release carbohydrates. And it also applies to fruits. So some fruits are low GI, some fruits are high GI. So, you know, obviously eating a piece of fruit is better than eating a Mars bar. But fruit should also be limited because, you know, fruit contains fructose. Fructose gets turned into glucose in the body. And, um, you know, it can have the same effect on, on spiking your blood sugars if you're having too much of it. So I always recommend 10 portions of fruit and veggies a day for my clients. The NHS says five. I say, let's go for 10, go for <laughs> gold. And, but within that breakdown, I always make sure there are words like, you know, have two fruits and eight sugar, uh, eight veggies, two fruit. And yeah, within that breakdown, I always say have two fruits and eight veggies because you don't want to be consuming too much fruit. And within the low GI fruits are things like berries, as many multicolored berries as possible, full of antioxidants, super beneficial for the body to um, keep healthy and things like apples and pears as well. They're low GI and they're quite seasonal at the moment in the UK. Um, and, you know, like tropical fruits, they're quite high sugar fruits. And also, like I always recommend to eat seasonally and locally. And tropical fruits like, you know, bananas and pineapples and melons are amazing um, if you're having a mango picked off the tree in India. But in the UK, when they're shipped across, they're often picked unripe. And when anything's picked unripe, it doesn't have all the vitamins and nutrients in it and minerals developed in them as it sh in it as it should and therefore it turns up it ends up having more sugar content in it so i would avoid eating um tropical fruits unless you're in the tropics or somewhere where they're growing bananas are great but they are a very high sugar fruit so i would mm -hmm. you know i wouldn't eat loads of bananas every day um I, I kind of have them as a treat once or twice a week um so yeah, so that's kind of the, the low GI, high GI. The GI is kind of used to kind of um, help people differentiate foods so that to pick the right foods to keep your blood sugar stable.
Yes, absolutely. Now, thank you for explaining that. That's great. Now, just on the terms of another lifestyle habit, can you just talk us through coffee and the impact? Because that does negatively impact blood sugar levels. Yeah. So coffee, yeah, it affects, it increases uh, cortisol. It increases cortisol, the stress hormone. Um, and it also depends on your genetics. So I mean, I really work a lot with genetic testing with my clients. I think it's a super amazing area. And actually, to go off topic, uh, when I did my genetics, that was one of the reasons that really pushed me to let go of, of, of my advertising career. Because not only is it amazing and can you test your sensitivity to things, to foods like caffeine, lactose, gluten, but it can even tell you characteristics of your personality. So there's a gene oh, wow. called, yeah, the COMP gene, the COMT gene, which is a gene, if you have two SNPs in it, and the SNPs are you get one from your dad and one from your mom, and if you've got both, it means it's extra strong. And if you've got, you know, if you've got those SNPs, it means you don't deal with stress very well. And, and, I, and I've got both of those SNPs, so that means I really don't deal with stress very well. So working in a, you know, highly stressful environment like I'd, I'd been doing for 18 years was really not beneficial for my health. And as soon as I gave that up, I just noticed how relaxed I was in all other areas of my life and how, you know, how that stress from that job was permeating every other area of my life. And that was, thank, once I found that out in the genetic test, that really pushed me to, to, yeah. to really leave, to change careers fully. So that's a really, I, I really encourage my clients to work with the, with the gene testing. I mean, you know, genes can be switched on and off. So you can also find out if you've got a predisposition to type 2 diabetes, to high cholesterol. Um, but it doesn't mean you're going to get those conditions. It, what it means is you're more likely than the next person. So it might help the clients make a different choice in what they're eating if they know that. So, you know, if you've got a predisposition to type 2 diabetes, if I know I've got that predisposition, I'm going to be extra, extra careful on the amount of carbs I eat and the sugar content in my diet. So it's really useful in that way. And yeah, with, with regards to caffeine, again, you can check for your caffeine sensitivity. I'm, I always knew I was uber sensitive to caffeine, but um, having it tested in my genes was really amazing. I was like, wow, this is in my genetics. So yeah, caffeine causes um, your cortisol to rise. And we've already talked about um, what happens when cortisol rises, it just affects yep. your insulin management, the blood sugar balancing. And that's kind of the problem with caffeine. Not only that, it, it really affects the quality of your sleep. So um, there's, a, there's a great book called Why We Sleep um, by Matthew Walker. And it's just amazing. And then there's a, uh, I really love Dr. Chatterjee. He's a, got a great podcast, Live Better, Feel More. And he interviews, he yes. interviewed Matthew Walker and they're like both of them sleep experts and that so much research they've done on sleep specifically and coffee. And, and they both say we wouldn't have anything with caffeine in it after 11 a.m. And as well as that, you know, they don't have coffee every day. It's because it's, it's highly addictive. I think if it would mm -hmm. be invented now, it would probably be banned, especially for athletes. Um, so, I, you know, so some people say oh, I can have a double espresso and go to sleep. Yes that means they don't have the genetics that I do in terms of the sensitivity. However, it still affects the quality of your sleep. So, yes. you know, having coffee later on, even if you can sleep on it, you're not going to get that, you know, that theta brainwave REM sleep, REM sleep, the deep sleep, which is what you want for creativity, for rejuvenation, where you dream um, and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, coffee really, really should be limited as, you know, for sleep 
and to help your blood sugars balance. I mean, if I, you know, if I have a really strong coffee, I, I feel like I'm, I'm just completely wired. My heart's yes. palpitating, you know, and, and then you're just, your blood sugars just go up and down and it's, it's not ideal. No, definitely not. Okay, so let's now move on to food cravings. Now, why do we get them? And why do some people crave like sugar, whereas others, it might be chocolate or salty foods? What's happening in the body when we crave foods? Yeah, so I mean, there isn't a hugely fixed scientific explanation to cravings. Often, you know, they can be caused by emotions, stress, boredom, habit or insecurity, or like you know, we've already talked about the, the, the stress causing cravings for fatty foods, carby foods, um, even sugary foods. I mean, yeah, when, when your blood sugars dip, you might crave sugary foods. They say if you're um, craving chocolate, it might be a magnesium deficiency. Um, so there's lots of different craving types that are linked to certain deficiencies as well. Um, but yeah, a lot of it, can be caused by emotion so I kind of I really work with my clients to kind of notice if when they get this hunger pang or craving is it is it physical hunger you know is your stomach hungry or is it psychological hunger is it because you're bored stressed emotional upset Mm -hmm. and just noticing that might make you make a a different choice so with physical hunger it kind of increases gradually whereas a craving or emotional hunger it's just like sudden oh my god i need to eat this food right now you know and you know you never generally crave an apple but if it's physical hunger you would be happy to eat an apple and like cravings you just need them right now you know it's just like a panic you know i must mm-hmm. eat now uh, <laughs> whereas you know if you're physically hungry if you're getting hungry you can kind of wait a little bit so that all these kinds of tools kind of helps people kind of decipher number one is it a craving am i hungry is my stomach grumbling do i need to eat from my stomach or do i need to eat from my mind and so what you know what what can be done about craving so i i you know i think try not to get like super hungry you know don't go starve yourself you know try to eat at regular times i kind of say you know work on you know allow a four to five hour gap between meals i think you know, snacking continuously, I don't think is necessary or beneficial. If you think about it as, as cavemen, we were designed to go for long periods of time without eating anything. Um, mm-hmm. It's only now in, in modern society, there's food cues everywhere. And it's like, you know, you can get food 24 hours a day and you're just like, oh, I must eat three meals and three snacks and never go hungry. You know, if you if you're healthy with no chronic conditions and you feel and you say i can't go for two or three hours without eating i get all jittery that is a problem with your blood sugars because you should the body is designed to be in a fasted state because as cavemen we'd go for days hunting for food without finding anything so if you know your blood sugar you're like you know shaky and hangry after two hours of eating i encourage you to speak to a nutritionist come and get in touch with me i can help you because that is not normal and that could be an issue later down the line. So, mm-hmm. you know, have gaps between your meals, but don't starve yourself. Making sure you're eating regularly, planning your meals, having healthy snacks around. So, you know, there's lots of different snack options um, that you can have instead of like, you know, you're craving crisps, 
how about some raw veggies and hummus or you know mm -hmm. or if you're craving chips you can oven bake sweet potato fries you don't even need to use any oil just a little bit of paprika a bit of cumin any herbs it's yummy if you're craving pizza you can make a cauliflower crust pizza with loads of veggies and tomatoes. You don't need the cheese because che dairy is also very high sugar. Uh, lactose in dairy is basically converted to glucose in the body. So that if too much dairy will also affect your blood sugar balance. And yeah, if you're craving fizzy drinks, try sparkling water. Or I, I love fermenting foods. I make water kefir, which is really yummy. Um, you can flavor it. It's a bit like a, a champagne, an alcohol-free champagne. Well, they say <laughs> the kefir and kombucha might have a, like a tiny bit of alcohol in, you know, because it's fermented, but it's not much. Um, so yeah, like making sure you've got healthy snacks around and not having, try not to buy the unhealthy snacks if possible, drinking enough water. Sometimes we want to eat, but we're actually thirsty. Um, so, you know, making sure you're hydrated two liters minimum, depending on your size and weight. And if you sweat a lot or live in a hotter climate, you might need to increase that. Um, yeah, just also finding a distraction. So if you're craving something, just do something else, like, um, get in, uh, do something creative. Like, do you like drawing or coloring in mandalas? I love coloring in mandala books or knitting or go for a walk or call a friend or put some music on and dance um yes. and just wait so cravings are often fleeting so just try holding off drink half a pint of water and as well as that like you know sometimes you finish your meal and you're craving a dessert you're craving sweet foods waiting 20 to 30 minutes that's how long it takes for our stomach to produce our hunger hormones that signal to our brain that we're full um, so if you wait like half an hour, you might realize actually I'm really full. I don't need anything else. Um, and then there's just other tips. Um, just making sure you're eating enough protein. Protein is the most, uh, filling macronutrient. So it keeps you full for longer more than, um, other macronutrients. And it really helps to keep your blood sugars balanced and reduce cravings. And most people, you know, don't eat enough good quality protein. So you know, average woman of 60 kilos, you, you want to be eating 20 grams of protein in each meal, three meals. If you're exercising a lot, you might need to increase that. Um, making sure, um, you know, you're eating enough of the right carbs that we've talked about, the complex carbs, and also enough fiber. 30 grams of fiber a day is the NHS guidelines. And again, fiber fills you up. Raw raw veggies, super filling. You know, you, you, just, you just, you can't eat like, four large cucumbers you'll just like <laughs> yes. explode um you know so having a raw salad i always find really fills me up if i'm craving something and then there's just no room for anything else so what is the equivalence you say have 20 grams of protein what would that be the equivalent of would that be like an egg or would that be like a handful of nuts yeah no that's a really good question so 20 grams, so like one egg is about 6 to 7 grams so really you need about 3 eggs to make that um, enough of your portion, enough, enough. Gra so yeah, really you need about three eggs to make that enough protein in one meal. Um, like a, a palm size portion of fish or meat is, is 20 grams roughly. Um, like I think it's like one to two cups of legumes or quinoa. Um, you know, seeds and nuts are great, but they don't have a lot of protein in them. I think like a handful is 
of nuts is probably about six to seven grams of protein. And you don't want to be eating, I mean, nuts are super healthy, but the recommendation is only to eat a handful a day. Um, they're, they're very high calorie um, and, and high fat, but they are healthy fats. So they are great to have as a snack. Uh, but yeah, um, tempeh, fermented tempeh and, and uh, tofu, fermented tofu, uh, organic, uh, as long as organic is also a great source of protein, like a, um, 200 grams is about, I think, 30 grams of protein, 200 grams of tempeh, um, beans, legumes, pulses, chickpeas, all these kinds of things are, are really great protein sources. Okay, fantastic. Now that's great. So yes, yeah, some really great points there. You know, keep hydrated, don't buy the naughty snacks and also, yeah. you know, wait until you're full because that's it is. It's the time your brain catches up. I think that's a really good point. People think, oh, I still need a bit more and they'll carry on eating and then they'll feel really full and sick and, and because then the they've overeaten. Comes, yeah. Yes. And then that's also the difference. You know, if, if you're hungry, physical, physically hungry and you eat a meal, there's no sense of guilt afterwards and you feel satisfied. Whereas if it's a craving and you end up like eating too much or having a binge, there's often can be like some guilt and shame and, and you might want to eat more of a different type of taste that, you know, if you're eating lots of sweet, then you might want some more salty. And that's kind of, uh, those are more of the cravings that you just need to just, I just really encourage my clients to tune into their body's needs and understand where, um, the, the need to eat is coming from if it's the right hunger need or not now absolutely and I know you've touched on lots of different like food groups and things that we need to add to balance blood sugar levels but just to give people just very quickly um, a couple of ideas so what could what are the sorts of things people should eat for breakfast lunch and dinner like to keep their blood sugar levels balanced and keep those cravings at bay yeah I mean just you know always make sure like the healthy plate you know always make sure where's the protein in this meal? Where's, you know, is there enough veggies and, you know, small amount of complex carbs, small, you know, a thumbful of healthy fats for women, two thumbfuls for men. So just mm -hmm. making sure the plate is balanced. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah, making sure, you know, I mean, I do a lot of intermittent fasting. I recommend intermittent fasting if you're, if you've got no pre-existing conditions, if you're healthy, you, you, you know, you should be able to fast and you can train your body into doing that. And intermittent fasting, so much research with it improving blood sugar levels um, and improving, you know, diabetes conditions. So, you know, so I kind of eat, I, I just, I also encourage just tune into your body. Don't like withhold breakfast if you're starving, but then again, don't force it down if you're not hungry. I naturally mm -hmm. get hungry at around like 10 or 11. Um, so, and then, yeah, so when, when you have your breakfast, just make sure you're, there's protein in there and then it sets you up for the day. So I love smoothie bowls. You can just get all your veggies in there. And with the smoothies, you know, don't put like six portions of fruit in there. A handful of berries is enough, you know, maybe half a banana, but not daily because it is quite high sugar. Um, you know, maybe like one portion or two portions of, of fruit. Uh, and then like you can get your veggies in, you can kind of, you can freeze the bananas and you can kind of, if you're short on time, you can put it in batches and little bags with veggies and fruit, and, and then just, you know, put it into the, the blender in the morning and you can add in some superfoods. I love supplementing with chlorella and spirulina and wheatgrass for, you know, extra chlorophyll, which helps to detoxify and, and boost the body with antioxidants. 
Um, and yeah, and then you can just and add in some protein powder and then you've got a delicious smoothie bowl for breakfast and they can be like quite thick as well. You eat it out of a bowl. Um, and then as well as that, you can make overnight oats, overnight chia. These things are really quick to make. You just put it together in a couple of minutes and with some plant milk and then you have it in the morning you top it with some seeds and maybe like some fresh berries and that's a really great breakfast i love like protein organic ceylon cinnamon is another tip for balancing blood sugars lots of research showing how uh, you know that's really beneficial so adding a teaspoon of a day into your diet of that yeah so those are kind of my uh go-to breakfast ideas Excellent. Thank you. Some really yummy ideas there. No, that's great. And if anyone needs any inspiration, there's lots of recipes on the CNN website. I'm sure Maze has got some on her website as well. So so check those out. Yeah, I, I post all my smoothie bowls on my Instagram, Healthy Maze. So, okay, yeah, great. <laughs> follow me and you get lots of tips. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So now just to finish up, are there any nutritional supplements or specific nutrients that help to manage cravings and regulate blood sugar levels you talked about the cinnamon because i know there's also some great herbs as well so are there any that stand out to mind for you yeah so yeah organic ceylon cinnamon is great um berberin is great you've got some great supplements that you can get incorporating those two but lots of research with berberin and uh, balancing blood sugars glucomannan is another thing another supplement you can take it's natural fi- it's a natural fiber and it kind of it helps with satiety. It helps you feel full if you take it like half an hour before you have a meal. Same with chitosan. Chitosan, that's another fiber supplement. With the glucomannan, you can also get, um, you know, gluc- konjac. It's called konjac fiber. Uh, you can get them as, as like noodles or konjac fiber rice. And they're great because they're low calorie, low carb and full of fiber. And uh, they're a great option to, for keeping you full if you're if you if you want to get that kind of carbohydrate element um another great supplement is is chromium that lots of research shows that it can decrease blood sugars in fact like even with chromium and berberin they say if you are on metformin or any diabetes drugs to make sure you don't take it alongside because it can really lower your blood sugars too much which might not be beneficial and another one is alpha lipoic acid another uh, that's kind of that's an amino acid that's really great at um balancing blood sugar so i often work with those with my clients uh to supplement okay fantastic and chromium is a mineral so so somebody wanting to supplement then it's best that they come and see a nutritionist to get the correct dose and to tell them how to take it yeah i always you know, it's very easy to kind of, you know, pick up supplements off the shelf, but they do have a lot of contraindications, especially if you're on medication. So it's always important to speak to a registered nutritionist to get the advice. For instance, like you see Floridex, Floridex on, on the ads on, on the tube for iron. Oh, if you're tired, have some iron. But actually iron is a pro-oxidant, so it can be pro-inflammatory if you don't need it. So, you know, it's just knowing that never to supplement certain things unless you really need them and have had a blood test and are working with a nutritionist or a doctor. Yeah, that's a really important point. No, absolutely. Yes, I know. When I see those things, the same with vitamin D as well. You know, you do need to go and have a blood test and especially with iron. Yeah, that's really key because otherwise you don't want to be supplementing with things if you don't need them. So No, exactly. And another example, beta carotene, if you're a smoker and you supplement beta-carotene, research shows that it actually increases your risk of cancer. 
So that's wow. like, you know, seriously toxic. So you have to be really, really careful for sure. Yeah. Excellent. Some really great tips there. And we'll pop some information about that in the show notes. So thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge and expertise today, Maze. It's been no worries. wonderful. <laughs> no worries. Thank you so much for having me. We've been great. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for listening and a big thank you to Maze for sharing her knowledge and expertise with us. You can find all the information discussed today and more about Maze in the show notes on the CNM website at www.cnmpodcast.com. If you're interested in learning more about nutrition, check out CNM's short course, Nutrition for Everyday Living or the Naturopathic Nutrition Diploma for a more in-depth study program. We have a series of open events coming up and you can find all the details on the CNN website at www.naturopathy-uk.com. Join us again next week when I talk to natural chef and author Rachel DeThample about fermentation and how to ferment foods at home. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe through your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss any future episodes. While you're there, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review as this helps us when creating new content.